everybody, and welcome to Coach's Corner. Hope your 2022 is off to a beautiful start. I'm still hanging on to Christmas myself. I gotta admit, I'm recording this on January 7th, and my Christmas tree is still up. <laughs> and I, I don't know that I'm gonna take it down for another week or so. It's just so pretty. And I know I need to like move into the next year and know the holidays will be back at the end of this coming year. But you know, I just, it's just so pretty. Anyway, I always love to bring you a guest in the beginning of the year that can help you step into some of your goals and some of your intentions for the new year. And I bet a lot of you would like to create even more optimal health this year. I think health and wellness has been on all of our minds, even more so in the past two years. And I have a great guest today, Terry Cochran, who's a friend of mine that I met at a gathering, a conference that I went to that was all about female health and hormones. And she just stood out to me as someone who just knows what she is talking about. And I'll tell you more about her in a moment. But I want to talk about health and the degree to which we can influence our health. So you all listen to the show and we talk a lot about generational patterns and we talk about how we can break generational patterns just because there's a generational pattern of people pleasing or codependence or even abuse in our family doesn't mean we have to play it out. Doesn't mean we have to take on that pattern. The same is true for a lot of illness, disease, or health struggles that may run in our family or in our genes. There's our genetics and then there's epigenetics. Just because you have a gene for something or a family characteristic of something doesn't mean you're destined to express it. You can influence it with your lifestyle. And lifestyle goes far beyond just what you eat and drink and how much you exercise. It has to do with your thoughts and your energy. And Terry's going to talk about all of that. We cover a lot of ground in this episode. So let me tell you a little bit more about who she is. Terry Cochran is the founder of the Global Sustainable Health Institute and an international thought leader in longevity. Through her decades of clinical work, Terry has developed the Cochran Method, a future-facing multi-system health and longevity model. This model examines the intersection of genetic expression due to pathogenic and environmental causes, energy, and her client's unique personal blueprint. Terry specializes in solutions to complex health conditions and serves world-class athletes. She's the author of the Amazon best-selling book, The Wildatarian Diet, Living as Nature Intended, which you can grab on Amazon. Before we dive into the interview with Terry, I want to talk to you about a cool event, a cool free training event that's coming up January 19th. So many of you know I love Stephen Kessler. He was on the podcast months ago, and we talked about the five personality patterns. He's the author of The Five Personality Patterns. Well, he's doing this free training called The Secret to Better Relationships on January 19th at 11 p.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern where you can let the insights of the five personality patterns show you how to create thriving relationships. After this training, you'll really walk away knowing how to understand everyone in your life so much better, including yourself. You'll learn about the different worlds people live in, how to understand their world, how to speak so they will listen and hear you, how to listen so they will speak and actually share what you want them to share with you, and how to communicate with anyone successfully. I love learning from Stephen. His work is really revolutionary, and I see how his work can transform even the most challenging relationships. So this training will be fantastic. It's free. Stephen's one of a kind. Don't miss it. To register, go to christinehassler.com slash Stephen, and that's spelled S-T-E-V-E-N. Again, christinehassler.com slash Stephen. 
Also, I want to thank my sponsor for this episode, which is Organifi. You can get all of your yummy Organifi products to help you feel good. Talk about kicking off the new year, feeling healthy. Talk about turning on those genetics that lead to health, longevity, and vitality. Their green juice, their red juice, their gold immunity, all those products are going to help you be healthier and happier in the new year. You can go to Organifi.com, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash over it for 20% off. And you can use that anytime. It's not a one-time deal because you're my audience. So go to christinehassler.com slash over it for 20% off all your Organifi products. All right. And now on to my conversation with Terry. Enjoy everyone. Terry, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you here. Oh, Christine, it's so good to be with you and your audience today. Well, and one thing I didn't say in the intro is you and I met out in Utah where we were at a conference on women's health, and I had some amazing conversations with you, an amazing, I would say, a little mini healing session with you because I had a terrible <laughs> headache that you that you took away, and it was when I was actually ovulating with this baby that now is you know, growing inside and you're like, yep, this is, this is happening. (laughs) This is, this is coming in and you just radiate love and you are someone, you know, I know a little bit about your story or someone that walks the talk. And I was asking you before we started, what's your title? Cause I just know what you do. I've just experienced you. So it's kind of hard to explain. And you said a lot of people call me a spiritual scientist. Can you explain what that is? Yes. And thank you for those kind words. Well, I've been doing this work for almost two decades now, and I started as a result of a personal health crisis in my family with my son. I I was in the world of uh, corporate finance and had no knowledge of medicine or energy, but sometimes there is that life moment that shifts the parallel and you move into a totally different direction. So over the course of these almost 20 years, I've continued to grow and iterate the practice of expanding and living into the infinite within our human potential. And so over time, I've incorporated not only biochemistry and epigenetics and um, quantum mechanics, but we also are literally working in the quantum as a spiritual scientist. So I'm known as a scientist, but I also add the spiritual element. And that name was actually given to me by one of my clients that I work with at this at this quantum level. Mm. So I I really embrace that. I thought that was a really good descriptor, both in science and in spirituality, which is really one and the same, yeah. as we will get to know over time. So a lot of people may hear the word quantum and some people know what it is. Some people may think of the show Quantum Leap, which was such a good show. <laughs> I'm dating myself, but I love that show. How would you explain the quantum? Well, we live in infinite potential. And so we now know that time is a construct. Mm. Uh, The work of Einstein, the work of uh, Friedman, who was a quantum physicist, we know that time is a construct. And we live in third dimension time where we we see it as, uh, as horizontal. But we're actually, when we step out of our slow moving biochemical body, we can actually live in vertical time where everything is happening at once and you can actually affect an outcome because we live in infinite potentiality until we ascribe an intention, which is a thought to something. Once that intention is in play, you may change an outcome. 
with intention and then acting on that intention. You, What I say is you can shift lanes and go from one potential possibility to another potential possibility. So in the work of quantum, quantum, you know, in the quarks, which are really, really tiny, it's sub, sub-molecular, subatomic, it really is about energy in the unified field where we look at the work of quantum physics now a lot is being examined in the realm of consciousness and how we as a collective unit being humanity affect the consciousness of our planet, which then affects the consciousness of the galaxy, which then affects the consciousness of the universe. Mm. And so we are energetic beings existing in a body that spins at a molecular rate of speed that creates mass, but we're really energy. Mm, mm. Can you give an example of how we could change something on the quantum level? Yes. So when I work with some of my clients at the quantum level, I talk about we have to remove the big rocks first, mm. right? So what is it that I'm that is in my field? Because just like an energy field, it it is filled with energy. And if we are filled with lower frequency energy, we're going to be vibrating at that lower frequency energy. And when we shift to a higher frequency, things that seem out of the blue, air quote, mm-hmm. happen. And so, for example, and you know, is it re- replicatable? You know, that's that's up to the individual. But I, I was working with an individual at this at this level, and she runs a very very large uh, government contracting firm, and she was in a in a a thought process that was keeping her from affecting her desired outcome. And so one of the things that one of the practices that we had her say is she was that she interrupt her own broadcast of it's going to take a long time. It will be difficult. It's not going to happen. And in that practice, she shared with me that something that generally takes two years to get signed took two days. Wow. So Yes. <laughs> she texted me saying, you're spooky. And I'm like, no, you just interrupted your own broadcast. Right. You're now operating at a higher frequency. You, sh- you collapse time. Yeah. 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 And, and beautiful things can happen. I think that's important because I talk not a ton, but quite a bit about the law of attraction and some of the misunderstandings about it and how I think sometimes it's oversimplified and People may think, oh, I just need to do a vision board or say some affirmations over and over again, and that will bring something to me. And it's like, well, but there's there's often subconscious beliefs or not even subconscious beliefs that are running that are of those lower frequencies. And it doesn't matter how many vision boards you make, if you're not shifting your, your frequency, then you're not in alignment with that which you want to draw in. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit, because we can say things like lower frequency, higher frequency, and people may not know exactly what that means. They may be doing things that are lower frequency and may not even be, may not even realize it. So can you break that down a little bit? Like what's, how do we know what frequency we're in? Absolutely. So our body knows when we're in a state of, let's say frequency disrupt, we run on patterns. We're energy and we're a super, we're a super quantum computer ourselves. As a matter of fact, they have noted, scientists have noted out of Germany that the microtubules in our brain which are in the um, pattern and the scientific mathematical calculation of the Fibonacci sequence is we have quantum computers in our brain in the microtubules. Mm. And so we can connect. However, when we're running patterns and these patterns are from our own life experiences or from experiences before Mm -hmm. (laughs) there are studies out of university of Virginia now that have proven that we may not have just been here 
you know, once around. <laughs> Wait, there are studies out of a university? Yes. yes oh, I have to see these studies. How did yes. they, I'm, I'm t- totally ten, tangenting right now. <laughs> yeah, so we can, we can give you that. We'll give you that link um, uh, that shows that wow. study, uh, which is really fascinating because you have a, a, what's considered a public Ivy at University of Virginia yeah. really delving into this, into this really interesting field. Wow. And so we literally run patterns and those patterns will continue to run until we stop that pattern and introduce a new pattern and practice the new pattern. And so how do we know? When we have a thought process that we think it gives us an interruption in our field, we're contracted, right? The energy mm-hmm. goes, uh-oh, mm-hmm. I don't feel good, right? Or this doesn't feel right. Or when I think about this, I feel a negative emotion or thought pattern. That's a, that's a frequency that we don't wanna engage in. Mm. And so how do we shift it? Well. I have practices for my clients that say, okay, if I'm in that, I've got to interrupt that broadcast, Mm -hmm. right? That's an old pattern that I don't want to repeat. Then I have to move this energy, this old patterning, because it's an energy. It's a wave. Mm -hmm. We are, we are literally emitting a frequency that has a, a sine and cosine that are waves inside of our body. That's attracting a, you know, it's it's hitting at a certain frequency. I'm going to have to move that out now because Mm -hmm. it is energy. And then I have to roll into a higher thought process, which is if you practice it, you can immediately play, play some music that is soothing to you or actually essential oils that remind you that are high frequency, such as rose or gardenia, which is the flower of the angels. Rose is the highest frequency of the plant kingdom through through scent, using our five senses, right? Something looking at a piece of nature like the seashell, which is in the Fibonacci state that helps us repattern because we are phi. So those practices that will take us out of what we know and is that low, that lower vibration patterning within us, right? And these are triggers and some of them they're sneaky because they show up in different ways. And so when I get, you know, still something bothers me and I'm like, Hmm, what is it about that life lesson that I haven't fully learned yet? What element of it is still triggering me? Let me, let me kind of tease that out And then I immediately interrupt the broadcast and say, no, it won't control me. I release Mm it. And it's really powerful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Where do emotions play into this, come into this? Because one thing that I teach in in my work, because it's been so helpful for me, especially someone who struggled with depression for many years, was to allow myself to have my big feelings. I call it the temper tantrum technique, like allow myself (laughs) to cry, yell, you know, whatever I need to do, but actually let the emotion move through me versus trying to just think it away. And I find that that, that eventually actually shifts me into a higher vibration because I usually end up in compassion. But when I try to suppress those emotions, I feel like my frequency lowers because I don't want to feel them. And sometimes I feel in the, especially the energetic sort of personal development manifestation world, it's like, no, 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 you don't want to ever feel sadness. You don't want to ever feel anger because that, that lowers your vibration. What do you, what's your take on that? I, I completely agree with you that it has to be moved through mm. and then integrated back in as a non-polarity thought. So, so to your point and to what I was uh, alluding to is that we have to move that energy through, whether you scream, you cry, you dance, you smell something, it has to interrupt that broadcast that just can't be done by thought alone mm. until we can get extremely skilled. 
and then we can declare it, right? By declaration, once we're practiced, I'm declaring that this is shifted. Mm. But we can't just do it at the beginning, right? We've got to take those baby steps to move it through because it is energy. Mm -hmm. And then over time, as we achieve mastery, it, it is integrated back to us, but it no longer has a polarity, right? It has no charge. Mm. And so when we have that thought and memory, oh, I have no charge. Hmm, I feel neutral about this. And that is mastery because it, at the end of the day, as we re- achieve higher and higher consciousness, there is no separation. Mm. And in there, no separation, it comes back as an integrated part of us because it is the tapestry of the richness of our life experiences. But when we neutralize the charge, it becomes a beautiful aspect of who we are, not something that is to be suppressed, denied, but just affirmed as, wow, okay, this was, this was part of my life experience. And now I no longer have a charge about it, meaning that I have mastered that. And when I think about that thing, or when I come in contact with that person or that situation, I know I'm in neutrality. Mm-hmm. That's power. Mm-hmm. So let's take something that comes up on the show a lot. A lot of people call in and what they want help with is self-doubt, self-confidence, just feeling like they can't break the pattern of not feeling enough, not feeling worthy, imposter syndrome, all that kind of stuff. So on this energetic level that we're talking about, how can someone work to interrupt that pattern and then eventually stop that pattern and move into a different frequency? Because self-doubt is a very low frequency, I would imagine. Absolutely. And just like in the Bible, when things are not cast in light and we don't know the why, Mm. it's really hard to figure out, well, I doubt myself, but why? What was it about my life experience that created doubt? Was it, it could be as as simple as in first grade, your unskilled teacher chastised you for something that you spoke up about. Mm -hmm. That alone can do it. That one thing. That that one thing. And so now you're not going to be confident in speaking up because you were chastised and in the, the beautiful work of Dr. Bruce Lipton, he shares, who's a cellular uh, yeah, biologist and has worked him. in such, such, oh, I love him. He's, he's like a Santa Claus every mm-hmm, day of the year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, he notes that during our first eight years of life, we're in alpha state uh, frequency and we're literally like pottery being molded. Mm-hmm. And that our operating system, which is 95%, uh, which is unconscious. 95% of how we operate is unconscious. Only yeah. 5%, which is the executive lobe is, is the conscious awareness. We're being shaped and molded, shaped and molded. And so that can be a trigger. And so going back to those whys and say, wow, what was it in that childhood uh, experience that caused that self-doubt? Oh my gosh. It's because I was, I was chastised for, for speaking up. Oh, so that alone takes away its power. Mm. Not all of it, but at least the recognition because you know the why. Yep. And then we practice going back to that point in time and rewriting that story because if we truly exist in vertical time, we can go, okay, well, I'm going to go back to that point. And instead of being chastised, the teacher opened up the dialogue and I was able to make that declaration and be curious didn't matter whether I was wrong or right. I was allowed to be curious Mm. in that moment. Those cells can shift. Mm. Mm. What shifts the cells? 
What creates that shift? It's the signal. Hmm. It's all, we are constantly signaling ourselves and we can signal ourselves in doubt and fear and frustration in, um, comparison in judgment in, um, ego, which is really separation from self, or we can judge, we can, uh, signal ourselves in clarity in curiosity in humble influence in presencing because our world right now also requires that we be in the presence of who we are not we've moved from yes we have to be in humility and this is i believe in the past but the world is calling us to be in presence so we can be in our alignment and in our power mm. because when we are in our power and this is a phrase of one of my soul sisters dr sharon melnick who works a lot with women empowerment. I believe she's one of the best in the business. She says a woman in her power or anyone in their power raises everyone around them. Mm, I love that. I love that. And so in that example, the old wiring, the old signal was I, you know, immorthless. I know nothing yes. or whatever it is. Yes. And then we yes. are curious. We go back and see everybody. This is why in coaching episodes, I ask people like, what does that remind you of? And I, we go back to their <laughs> exactly. childhood because you got to find exactly. where it was planted, where the seed was planted. Yes. No one just wakes up one day and is like, I'm a piece of crap. It, you yeah. were programmed that way. Yes. So we, we go and we see the memory and we're like, oh, okay. Wow. Like, no, I was just being curious. I, there was nothing wrong with me. I was just being curious. And we have a whole new signal. And instead of walking around doubting ourselves, we can go, I really love that I'm a curious person and update the program in that moment, which is Absolutely. so cool. So what if, what do we do when, because I can hear my audience's questions, what do we do when we, <laughs> we don't know a specific memory? Like we have something that's maybe we're just, you know, just have a lot of anxiety in our life and we don't know there was nothing maybe terribly traumatic. We don't know the source. How do we work with it then? If there's not a that's root a, cause we can find. That's a great question. And so when we don't know the root source, what we do is we, we literally cloak ourselves in self-compassion. Uh, and a, one of my, um, Instagram posts, uh, that I wrote, uh, during the holidays was, you know, we write letters to Santa and this year I wrote a letter to Santa saying, dear Santa, you know, I have been, you know, we, we used to say whether we're naughty or nice, I have been kind to myself, mm. right? So cloaking ourselves in that compassion and kindness because we deserve that. Yeah. For ourselves. We give it to many, but we sometimes we fail to give it to ourselves. And so in doing that, it helps us. It's not going to take away all the sting, but wow, I'm going to be compassionate with myself. And even though I don't understand the why that's causing me to have this feeling, when you entertain that frequency of compassion and kindness, it helps to smooth out those sharp angles of those emotions of anxiety that are, mm. that can cut. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's such a, being a human is such an interesting experience. <laughs> it really, really is. And I think that, you know, I, knowledge that I feel is so ancient. I feel what we're talking about. We're talking about it in our vernacular and our present day understanding, but I feel like what we're touching on is so ancient. And then it just got suppressed for so many years and we kind of became these 3D 
zombies. <laughs> and it really does feel like we're in this time of remembering, awakening, but I even like to say remembering, like we're remembering that we are energetic beings, that we're spiritual beings having this human experience that we're, we're so much more powerful than we give ourselves credit for. And we can shift things energetically. I think there's so much emphasis in well, I have to shift things by working really hard or by doing a 45-day cleanse. And, you know, we, we work so hard on the physical level. But have you seen, Terry, that the physical level only gets us so far? If we don't incorporate the energetic, true healing and transformation can't happen. Absolutely. And that was beautifully said. I, I, I agree with you 100%. And it is. The thought creates the thing. And so it is that signal to the energetic piece of us, which is the infinite piece of us mm. that shifts our reality. And we have to go beyond and to remember the way that I think about remember is literally we're remembering, we're reorienting. It's like, a you know, a member, we're actually like, we're sewing ourselves back together. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a beautiful, um, Psalm in the Bible. Uh, I believe it's Psalm 191 says I was perfectly knit in my mother's womb before I knew you. Mm-hmm. And so understanding that we are this, this manifestation of the divine, of the source of the universe, that we are perfectly knit. And sometimes we forget that. Yeah. A lot of times we forget that. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of times we forget that. Yeah. Yeah. So without, without the, um, my Cochrane method, there's a hierarchy of needs. And the very first thing at the top of the hierarchy of needs is we have to calm the system, the system being that operating system, because when we're in a state of fight or flight, we're literally increasing pathogenic loads within us. We lower our immune system significantly. We leak our gut. We invite a party that we don't want in our microbiology. And so if we're trying to manage a big pathogenic load or a big dysbiotic gut that's creating uh, autoimmunity or mania or depression or anxiety or self-harm thoughts, if we don't calm the system first, everything else will be much harder. Yeah. Let's talk about that a little bit because I think a lot of us may think I'm only in fight or flight if someone's chasing me or I'm in high degrees of stress or we underestimate how often our nervous system is, is in that. I always forget, is it sympathetic or parasympathetic? That's the rattled up sympathetic. one. Sympathetic. Sympathetic. Yep. In that sympathetic yep. place and our brain is in that fight or flight. Can you give some indicators that we're in that and don't really even know it? Yes. Well, what's really good, we have now some technology that allows us to do that. Um, one is the aura ring mm. uh, that when it measures the heart rate variability or heart math that measures heart rate variability. And when we are asleep and our heart rate variability is low, that means that we're in fight or flight while we're sleeping. Oh, wow. When we take a shallow breath, when we look at our pulse, we can look, we can measure blood pressure. There's blood glucose. All those things are physiological outcomes of an autonomic nervous system that is in perpetual go, go, go. So there are these biochemicals. One of the biggest things when we're really in a state of fight or flight, our eye, the pupils dilate. So look in the mirror. Are your pupils dilated because you've you've pushed all this epinephrine and you've dilated your pupils? Wow. Let's check our heart rate. You know, does my heart hurt? You know, do I feel it and does it hurt? Right? That 
says we have some inflammatory response there. Is it a slow drip? Because I forgot that I haven't taken a deep breath since September. (laughs) (laughs) Or 2019 for a lot of people. (laughs) Exactly, right? You know, um, have I, how do I eat? Am I just gobbling down my food or am I taking the time to chew and really taste my food and allow it, allow those digestive juices to start operating? Digestion starts in the mouth, but but when we're in a state of uh, fight or flight, we stop the hydrochloric acid production. So you're not getting anything done, mm-hmm. you know, and then, and then your stools are different and the microbiome, microbiome of your gut changes. So it really is. How am I, how am I operating? Did I hear a loud noise and just jump three feet? Mm-hmm. Right. Or did I hear a loud noise and go, hmm, that was interesting. Oh, let me go check it out. Let me be curious about it. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's these, these feedback loops that the body gives us that says, okay, you're good. You're not good. (laughs) Or you could be better. Yeah. Yeah. And so learning to recognize those and learning how to get ourselves back into that parasympathetic by taking a few deep breaths, by putting our feet in the ground, by, like you said, smelling a beautiful essential oil by, for me, it's really talking to myself in calm, soothing ways, really, really helps putting a hand on my heart, hand on my belly, those two centers, you know, that space of love and that space of empowerment and self really, really helps me as well. Are there any other things that you find pretty quick and effective to get us out of that mode? Yes. And I call this the practice of the practice because we are quantum computers. We're all programmed, right? And so I call it the, the wave particle dance. So I have, um, I put my left hand over my right hand and then I move my left hand over up until to my crown chakra. I meet it there almost like in a prayer sign. And then I bring it back to heart center. Mm. And so we're now more in wave than particle and bring it back to heart center. And that, and I can hear, you can hear my voice changing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, that really helps to just align the system. We can all also tap our thymus, which is, uh, for the women, it's right between the, the it's at the breastbone, uh, between our, our breasts. And that just helps ground us. And the, the practice of the practice is when we are, I call it meditation in action. When we practice these things and as we're practicing, we're asking our body to remember that how we're feeling in that moment. So again, by declaration, I declare that my body is now remembering this wiring Mm. Right. And so we can call it in. I call it download on command. So we're getting that download to our computer system, if you will, that I'm going to I'm going to feel like this again just by thought alone. Mm. Mm. Because we've practiced it. We've asked the body to remember. And then we can just remind it. Remember. Right. Reconnect. Yeah. Reintegrate. For people that get kind of so deep into, let's let's say an anxiety attack or a panic attack, and those calming things, they just don't work, you know? And I've talked to many people. I went through a period of time where I was overmethylated and had panic attacks, and it was my first time I'd had them. And I was like, this is, this is death. This is the worst. This is terrible. And nothing worked nothing. I just have it. Time was the only thing. 
Um, so for people that maybe suffer from extreme anxiety or panic attacks and they try the breathing, they try the calming and they try all the things and then they get frustrated because none of it's working. What can they do to get some relief? Okay. Well, this is where we have to go to the individuality of you, the bio-individuality, understand your genetic potentialities. And if you do have that MTHFR C677T Mm -hmm. gene polymorphism, along with the comp gene, which has to do with catecholamines and the MAOA gene, which has to do with how we break down serotonin or not, you can easily overmethylate, meaning that that methylfolate that you're well-intended practitioner gave you because you they just looked at one of the pieces of your methylation, not all of the pieces or more of the pieces. Stop those B vitamins. I say we either have helper bees or buzzy bees, mm-hmm. right? So the buzzy bees are going to sting us because it's going to over agitate the system. We have to understand where our dopamine is. Are you pushing up epinephrine, which is the fight or flight response that is going to leave you in this perpetual anxiety mode. I actually have developed a supplement called stress mover that people have deemed it the chill pill because it helps calm the histamine response. It could be also, you could be suffering. I had a client that had idiopathic anxiety disorder. It was a histamine response. Mm. People don't understand the histamine is also an excitatory neurotransmitter. So we have to look at your histamine. We have to look at your methylation pathways. We have to look at, do you have candida, which shifts dopamine and serotonin. And so you're not going to get unanxious until you manage that pathogenic load that's tripping the dopamine pathway. Mm -hmm. And so looking really granular, why is my body hijacking me? And so I work with a lot of mental health and I tell my clients, and I work a lot with teens and even young kids who have pediatric autoimmune psychiatric disorder. And Christine, this is a very significant Mm -hmm which now has been deemed as an autoimmune condition because these children are under 10 and they're homicidal and or suicidal. And when they come to my office, I tell them, this is, you are not a bad person. Mm. And your thoughts that you're thinking are not because of your will to think them. You have been hijacked. And we're going to figure out the why behind your hijacking. There's probably, there's some pathogen that's expressing the way that your body talks to itself. That's having you have these thoughts. And when I tell these kids this, I, you can just see the relief, yeah. right? Because it's like, they think there's something wrong, that they're bad people, they're evil, right? And we have to look at the why. Mm. In many cases, it's candida and streptococcus. Strep has been a, a signal to be the root of this pediatric autoimmune psychiatric disorder, PANDAS. And so we manage it. We look at their genetics. We, we give them the, the right things for their genetic blueprint and their current state of health. And these kids get better, Mm. you know, and as, and I've been working with one child in particular, we've been working with him, my gosh, for almost a decade, because he was in this roller coaster of viral, bacterial, fungal. And every time he'd go to school and kids would get a virus, he'd go back into this, into this loop and he was getting big and he was, you know, his mom was fearful for her life. Yeah. And, um, he's doing so well now. He just turned 16. I'm so proud of him, but I never let him think that he was a bad person for the thoughts that he was having. Mm. And I was, I was explaining to him the why. And again, when we understand the why and you're like, okay, I'm being hijacked. Okay. I just was exposed to this virus and my body just doesn't like to clear viruses very well. So, you know, I had the Epstein-Barr virus. He had the Epstein-Barr virus and the Varicel all, you know, all uh, corroborated through blood work. 
Um, and we could see that they would go up and down as he was exposed. He's gotten so much more robust now. He's doing great. Wow. Well, so are these things just genetics or is it also epigenetics or is it, and, or is it toxins or things like what, what begins all this? It's the, it's the interplay of epigenetics, how our genetics are expressed, the pathogens that trip the genes, the thought that trips the pathogens, which trips the genes, the toxins, which trips the pathogens, which trips Mm -hmm. the genes, the, um, a physical impact actually mm-hmm. can do it. So the Cochrane method is rooted in the four portals of epigenetic expression, which is pathogenic, environmental, actually a food can trip a gene. Mm-hmm. Um, we have the emotional piece, which is a trauma or a life event can trip a gene. And I was going through a life transition uh, six years ago and around five years ago at the height of that life transition, I became extremely ill where I was told I had a 15% chance of survival Mm. and they thought I had all these things that I didn't have. (laughs) What Mm. I ended up doing was my stress response had fire started within me. All the, the uh, viruses that I, that were living commensally and created a neurological dysfunction. It Mm -hmm. created a brain swelling. It created Mm -hmm. liver toxicity and uh, lung toxicity. I couldn't remember my name. I couldn't lift a pencil. I was so neurologically impaired. And so that was what really got me looking into, oh my gosh, our emotions are literally tripping these viruses, which are expressing my genes, which is making me really sick. Mm. And so once we unwound that, um, I was able to get better where the doctor said I couldn't or Mm -hmm. wouldn't. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's, I love, so the four pillars of the Cochrane method, say them again. Yes. So it's the pillars of the genetic expression are pathogenic. So you have a virus, a bacteria, a fungal or a parasite that will express that gene. We have environmental, which is a food or a poison or a heavy metal mm-hmm. or a paraben, right? Or, you know, we had somebody with that we figured out he, he had psychosis. It was diesel fuel leak from his Mercedes. Wow. Right. So that expressed his genes. And then we have the emotional piece, right? Is it a current trauma? Is it a life experience? Is it a past trauma? And then we have the, um, we have the physical impact. Did you just get whacked in the head and your pituitary just started missignaling? Mm-hmm. I call it air traffic control, all of your hormones, including your neurohormones. Mm. And for people that, cause I think there's all kinds of $99 genetic testing out there <laughs> for people that are interested in learning more about their genes. Do you have a recommendation for how they can pursue that? Yes. Well, we do, we do a, a, an epigenetic analysis and yes, you can get 99 gene, you know, gene uh, SNPs, but you'll be told, well, you have, you know, you're 3% Neanderthal right. or, you know, you might find out, find out who your real biological father is, <laughs> right? Which people may or may not want to know. Um, but what we do is we take the algorithm that you can't see, which are thousands of your alleles. Those are your genetic variances. We take a look at them and then we analyze it under the auspices of the, the Cochrane method. And we say, okay, wow, you really are, um, you know, you have the OXTR gene, which makes you more empathic. You also have sensitivities to electromagnetic field. Oh, you also have the a gene that's a comp gene, which is a catecholamine gene, which is going to make you more neurological. Oh, you also have the CBS gene, which is a sulfur processing impairment gene, but I call it central broadcasting station, also neurological. You're highly neurological, mm. right? So we have to look Sounds at like all me. this. 
someone says, oh, you're type A, I'm going to say, I'm just highly neurological. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You know, that's our, our, that's our tendency, but it doesn't mean we can turn them off just like a light switch. So, Mm -hmm. um, that's the thing. My genes, I have all of those genes that I have just mentioned are, are gene variations. And so when, you know, those viruses flipped a switch on me, I went super neuro. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but then we can, we also have the power if we understand the why and the how to flip them back. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about oxalates? Sure. So oxalates and, and, uh, Dave, Sorry, I pronounced that wrong. Oxalates. No, no. Oxalates <laughs> are, are fine. I'm not even sure it's tomato, tomato. Um, so this is, has been rarely talked about until of late. So oxalates are these protective and defense mechanism in our plant world that they use as mini poisons to keep away from their invaders. And these are found in actually otherwise super healthy foods like almonds and spinach and black beans and berries and other, other similar foods. However, What's happened is because we are a microcosm of the macrocosm, the glyphosate, which is the active ingredient in Roundup, which is roundly sprayed. I believe we spray spray about 300 million pounds of Roundup annually on our crops. That even organic organic food is not uh, devoid of it because of the cross-contamination. What that has done, it has shifted our body's microbiome in that we used to make, because the body is so beautiful, and smart, we used to make the gut bacteria to break down these, these oxalates. Now we're not doing that anymore. Mm. So these once healthy foods can now trip a very significant wiring, especially if you have the SUOX gene or the gopher gene, as I call it, and the CBS gene, that when that happens, you can be manic. You can have, it's been tied to heart attacks with myocardial infarction because those oxalate crystals can create arteriosclerosis. You can have uh, kidney stones, gallstones, polycystic ovarian syndrome, anything that has a calcifier, right? Mm-hmm. So that's a big deal. And we've been told, don't drink cow dairy, drink almond milk, have almond butter instead of you know other butters. And we're right now, that's not a good way to go if you have those genetic tendencies and also you have a pathogen like candida which or any mold which builds the oxalate burden and oxalates uh, christine has been really tied to autism mm. um, these kids have this massive burden because it trips that dopamine uh, function and we really need to understand and i say are you eating the right wrong foods mm-hmm. are you eating the foods that are supposed to be healthy for you but they're actually potentially causing a genetic expression Uh, by food alone. And that's the world of nutrigenomics. So there's the epigenetics, how genes are tripped, but then within within that is nutrigenomics, how food can actually also elicit a a genetic expression. For people that may not have the means to to work with you or to go and get genetic testing done, is there any way to self-identify some of these things, histamine sensitivity, oxalate sensitivity? I know I learned with you, I have a sulfur sensitivity. I was so happy I didn't have the oxalates because I love dark chocolate more than life itself. <laughs> I was like, I can give up Brussels sprouts, but don't take my chocolate away. Um, is there any way we can kind of figure this out on our own? Yes. Well, one of the thing is we the things that we do in our practices, I think first and foremost, we're educators and myself and my naturopathic doctor, we are here to educate and empower you to be your own uh, best body interpreter 
And so we actually have a, G, uh, a quiz on my website that speaks to what wild type are you? And you take the quiz. And so embedded in there, are you're not going to know which allele you have. That's a polymorphism. But if you, for example, uh, eat asparagus and you smell it coming out uh, mm -hmm. in, the, in the urine, that could be potentially you have a sulfur sensitivity. If you have had kidney stones, gallstones, have had a history of candida, if you're, you know, if you have a history of depression or mania, uh, if you have arteriosclerosis, that could very well mean you have an oxalate sensitivity. If you, uh, for example, work out, you know, all the time, but you can't build muscle, you burp after eating, uh, you have undigested uh, 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 food in your stool, you could have that MTHFR A1298C polymorphism that doesn't allow you to break down protein so well. You know, and, and so we have this quiz, which is very intentional, that gives you body talk. And um, I've written a book under the umbrella of the Cochrane Method, which is the Wildatarian Diet, Living as Nature Intended, because we should all get back to living as nature intended, which also incorporates a spiritual and sacred aspect of how we should be in reverence to food, not in fear of it, because if we understand it, we know which are our best foods and which ones aren't. That we never have to be afraid. We can just be informed and curious. And so, um, you know, really proud of that quiz because we've actually had someone, this is uh, really interesting, who, who hasn't never, has never seen me, but she took her the quiz. She bought the book and a 20 year rash that she all, she had had. And I found her at a conference. She ran up to me in the bathroom <laughs> mm. and that rash was gone. That rash was gone. She was eating all, you know, eating a lot of, uh, Brussels sprouts and, and broccoli. And, you know, she had a sulfur sensitivity and there is something called the sulfur rash. And so by eliminating those foods alone, her, her, uh, interminable rash was terminated. Wow. So there are ways if you can't come see me and, um, you know, that quiz we're here, we're here to help you and, and here to empower you. And so, um, you can Google sulfur oxalate protein fat. Mm -hmm. uh, those are the four pillars of the wildatarian diet. Those, the malabsorption of each of those and why they're so important. Uh, there, we, we have lots of blogs. Uh, mm -hmm. We try to, again, try to educate, uh, but there's ways to find out without having to take a, a, a genetic test that will give you a, a roadmap to what your why. Yeah. It may not be as detailed, but it gives you, it gives you a, a, a good roadmap. What's the, the URL for that quiz? It's terrycochran.com. Right. So it's, on, yeah, it's to find out your wild type and you, by taking the quiz and you're going to go, oh yeah, well that makes sense. And then what the, the output of the quiz will tell you, oh, you might have an issue with oxalates. You might have an issue mm -hmm. with salt or protein or mm -hmm. all of the above or some of the above. Yeah. This is why I think it's so important that there's no one size fits all approach. And I, I tell this to my listeners too. Like some of you may really resonate with how I teach. Some of you may not. Great. Go find somebody else. And it's so important with diets too, because I think there's so many people that are like, oh, well, you know, my friend had this great results on this juice cleanse and going vegan. And I remember when I went vegan, I never felt so awful in my life. <laughs> like I was eating right. quote unquote healthy, but oh my gosh. And then I went to see my naturopath and she's like, just go have a piece of salmon. And I did. And oh, it was like my life force came back. Exactly. And, but other people being a vegan may work really great for you and may take away a lot of your health issues. And I think it's so important for us to a find the right practitioners, but really not give our power away either. And, and 
like our body will tell us, like our body will tell us what it doesn't like. I remember for years I had this terrible leg rash and I was eating tons of balsamic vinegar at the time because I was on this whole fat free thing. And so I'd put my, this was in my twenties and I would put just tons of balsamic vinegar on. And finally I just tried eliminating things, eliminate balsamic vinegar and boom, the rash on my leg is gone after a year of scratching my legs to shreds. And so our body, I feel like is constantly giving us indicators. We're not supposed to walk around tired and bloated and super gassy and, you know, brain foggy and all these things. That's our body trying to communicate to us. 100%. And so well said, yes, absolutely. It's constantly giving us feedback because it is, it is programmed to talk to us. We just need to, we need to understand the facility of body talk. Mm-hmm. So what does it really, you know, what does it mean? And like with you, the vinegar is is fermented and it was acid, neither of which like you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's why. Right. And, and I have, uh, Christine, it's, it's, I've worked, I, I have the, the honor and privilege of working with little itty bitty ones all the, and then I just saw someone today. I've been working with him with, with since he was six, he's now, he's now 20 and he was just here for a check-in. That boy is so schooled in body talk. And he was celiac. He's not, he, mm. he no longer reacts to wheat the way he used to and, and gluten. And he just gets it. He's like, you know, I'm just here. I just want a little tune up. This is what I'm thinking. Mm. But, you know, and he actually saw our naturopath, but he's so tuned in. I love that. Uh, and that gives us power. Like you said, we, we, when we're, when we're in our power, he's doing great. He just, he just finished another semester at, at his university and, I'm just like, so it's so, for me, it's so fulfilling Mm. to see this young man be so in his power when he was really sick for many years. Yeah. You mentioned candida a few times and I think people think candida is, well, if I don't get yeast infections, then I don't have a candida issue. How else does candida show itself to us? Oh, I call it the beast of yeast. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) So candida is very insidious. It can show up by, you might have a thyroid issue. You keep taking thyroid hormones, but you can't make that T3, which is the active form of thyroid. Well, guess what, folks? Candida interrupts the conversion of T4, which is the inactive form of thyroid, to T3, which is the active form of thyroid. It can make us foggy-headed. It can make us depressed because candida... uh, can also manage serotonin. 90% of serotonin and 50% of, of dopamine is made in our gut. If you have a candida overgrowth, or it's called arabinose, which is a byproduct of candida, it's a metabolite of candida, then your depression could be because you've got arabinose. And we, you may not need that SSRI. You might need an antifungal. Mm. Uh, the way candida shows up as well, polycystic ovarian syndrome, can't, it, which is at, typically it's an estrogen dominant situation and insulin dysregulator. Estrogen feeds on candida and then candida feeds on estrogen. Cystic acne could be candida. Infertility could be candida because mm-hmm. if you're estrogen dominant, you need the progesterone to keep that fetus in your womb. Mm-hmm. So it's broad reaching, broad reaching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's huge. And, um, Another thing that just seems like everybody has these days is autoimmune disorders. And it seems like it was like the kitchen sink just got thrown <laughs> at autoimmune. It's like, if you have something, it's an autoimmune disorder. What exactly is an autoimmune disorder? And can you kind of break the myth that it's the body attacking itself? Because I think a lot of people think it's just a disorder where the body's attacking itself, but it seems to me like there's much more to it than that. Absolutely. So one in 
14, one out of every 14 Americans has been diagnosed, diagnosed mm-hmm. with an autoimmune condition. One out of every 14. That is a huge one number. Out of every four. And that's a diagnosis. That's a diagnosis. There are many more that go around undiagnosed. So I completely agree with you, Christine. I don't think the body inherently attacks itself. As a matter of fact, I was, I was speaking to a gentleman today who has MS. Well, he's had it for five years. He found out about our practice. His friend is a really good friend of mine. So as we started talking, I had a little phone call with him and he said, you know what? I, I really believe I go, well, it does his name, Steve, Steve. It doesn't just inherently, your body just didn't decide to flip out on you one day. Mm -hmm. Let's try to figure out the why. Mm -hmm. And you know, it turned out he had a life event that created a viral reactivation. He said, yeah, Terry, right after that, I started getting the MS symptoms and I talked to my doctors and they're like dismissing it. Like there's no dismissing it. Let's, let's look at your genetics. Let's Mm -hmm. figure out the virus and, and let's look at it. So what I see is there's underlying viral reactivations because of our food supply in in great part that, that contributes in to a great extent to autoimmunity. So for example, over 80% of Hashimoto's Hashimoto's is autoimmune thyroiditis. And this typically is a hypothyroid consideration is the freaking Epstein-Barr virus that has been reactivated, but it's no longer mono. Mm -hmm. You have freaking Hashimoto's. And so what happens is many of these women, typically it happens to women, although men can be Hashimoto's too, is that they're put on thyroid medication and then they go into a thyroid storm. So then too much medication, so they lower it and then they're they're sluggish and then they raise it and then they're hyperthyroid. It's up, down, up, down. It's a yo-yo. Well, the puppet master, as I call it, was the freaking Epstein-Barr virus. So let's deactivate that. It's not like we can kill it because once we have these viruses in us, they're always going to be in us, but it's at what level are they yelling, right? Mm. And so it doesn't have to be a new activate a new expression. It could be a viral reactivation. And I work with collaboratively with many doctors and we ask them, okay, let's look at the IgG. I call it the grandma gene, which means it's an old thing, not the IgM, which is the mom, which is a newer, newer exposure. If your IgG is elevated, you more than likely have a reactivation. A lot of doctors poo-poo it, but a lot in the functional area are now starting to say, wow, this is correlative. Varicella tied to Bell's palsy, varicella tied to polycystic ovarian syndrome, varicella tied to diabetes. Mm. Okay. Mm. So these viral reactivations, and this is what I see, I I consider myself an expert and a pioneer in how we can, again, turn down the volume on these viruses. And one of the bigger, we have two things that activate these viruses. One is biofilm. Biofilm is how pathogens protect themselves. So biofilm creates um, an amyloid burden. And amyloids are these truncated protein structures that are now found in our food supply, the most studied of which is chicken. When that happens, the amyloid will trigger a viral response, viral reactivation. It can trigger it. And when that happens, then you've got Hashimoto's or everything that I've just said, Bell's palsy, uh, Lyme even. A lot of Lyme is actually a viral reactivation. It's not just bacterial. And then you're given the antibiotics and that doesn't really help you. And now you've got candida because you've been given all these antibiotics. Mm. And now you're in this, we get a lot of, we get a lot of Lyme kind of, uh, I call them casualties of, of the Lyme war in our practice where an antibiotic therapy has really failed them. Um, so it's, it's a, it is a, I call it the ping pong effect. And we have to look at, well, what foods are potentially exacerbating this? How am I 
how am I contributing to just, you know, feeding, feeding these bullies in my sandbox and let's, let's turn down their volume and get back to a state of, a state of vibrancy. I have so many listeners that have Epstein-Barr, not the active mono, but know they have that virus. What are mm-hmm. some things, and I, including myself, what are some things that we can do to lower that viral load so it doesn't just wreak havoc? Yes. Well, the first thing is back to calming the body. If we're in a state of, of always pushing that pedal to the metal and the sympathetic nervous system response, it, it, it increases the pathogenicity. Um, the second thing is stop eating the foods that can tr- can feed the beasts, those beasts. So amyloids, the amyloid burden, like most studied chicken and then beef and pork and turkey, instead go to wild foods, which have a lower amyloid burden. And like I have bison, found, yes, bison, elk, when we lower the amyloid burden, those bullies mm. aren't bullies. And I'm, I'm very well known for my work with Hashimoto's having tremendous, tremendous uh, positive and sustainable mm. outcomes in that mm. in that condition, and we we look to the deactivation. So don't feed things that are going to create biofilm. If you have an oxalate burden, that could be a problem. Oxalates make biofilm or contribute to the making of biofilm, which then triggers trips that amyloid, which then feeds the viral load. So maybe a low oxalate wild deuterium go to that low amyloid burden mm-hmm. uh, control. Um, <clears throat> look to see if you are uh, high reactivation. If you are and you have a blood work, ask your practitioner to give you an, uh, a pharmaceutical antiviral. Um, you know, I'm not prescribing through this, so I want to make sure mm-hmm. that, that I make that clear. But you know, speak to your speak to your uh, practitioner and say, look, is there something out there? There are. There's simple things that are not not uh, they're not going to be burdensome. So, for example, uh, individuals with herpes, they get they they have acyclovir or vasiclovir. They take that you know lifelong to manage that that viral load. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There are ways around it. And then there's just, you know, broad spectrum antimicrobials that keep those things managed. Oh my gosh. I could ask you questions for, for hours on end. Um, <laughs> like my, my, my obsessive brain's kicking and I'm like, what about this? What about this? Let's, let's start to wrap up because this is, I think, especially time of year, those of us in North America, cold and flu season, I say that in air quotes as well, but you know, I feel like cold and, <laughs> I, you can get a cold anytime, but it seems to be more rampant this time of year. And a lot of people, you know, just are wanting to up their immune system for, for many reasons. What are some of the key things that we can do? Obviously keeping ourselves out of fight and flight or stress is, is huge yes. to our immune system, yes. but on the physical level, what have you noticed really works to keep our immune system top notch? Uh, I'll tell you my daily practice to keep my immune system top notch. And I've been, I've been on over 80 airplanes in the last two years mm-hmm. and knock on wood, everything's been good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I, I take every day I take zinc carnosine. Zinc is really important for thyroid function, helping as immune modulator. It helps with the gut. It helps with the insulin response because insulin, if it's out of whack, is super inflammatory. Mm-hmm. We've got to lower that inflammatory response. I take vitamin C every day. It's an antioxidant. It helps adrenals. It helps with my liver detoxification. Uh, it's, it's a great immune modulator. I take vitamin D. Vitamin D mm-hmm. helps as it's a hormone precursor, so it helps keep my hormones happy. Also phenomenal for modulating immune system function. You know, those are simple things, but they work. I take quercetin with bromelain. It's a natural antihistamine. We talk about histamine also being inflammatory, also helps with 
Uh, some studies show that it helps tighten tighten the junctions of our gut, so I'm less leaky. Mm. Um, that's super important. I take my immune mover every day. That's a specially formulated uh, um, modulator that that I, I uh, specifically formulated. I take my uh, I take GABA. GABA's really fascinating. It's um, it is a it's a neurotransmitter, and it's also it's almost, it's this beautiful play that helps balance the hormones of estriodile and FSH and LH. Also, it helps to manage um, the insulin response mm-hmm. because GABA's second most concentrated place is in the pancreatic islet cells. So um, GABA's, GABA's been um, my friend uh, of late. And I always start my day with a green juice. Mm-hmm. If our livers are, deta- are not clear, then we're going to not have that clearing mechanism to detoxify whatever comes our way. How do you know if you don't have a, a clear liver? One of the biggest indicators is when you sweat, do you have a hormonal smell? If you're specifically, if you're a woman, that means you're not breaking down those hormones and your liver's backed up. So I exercise regularly. I rarely have a scent when I do. I'm like, Oh, I better back. I better, you know, mm. get back to my juicing effort. You know, I, I, I ran out of my cucumber and cilantro. Mm-hmm. And it's really important that with juicing, you understand your genetic blueprint and your current state of health. I had a client here earlier today. She's very oxalate sensitive. She was juicing with spinach every day and she Mm. feels like crap. So that's, you have to understand, you know, know your body, know your genetic tendencies and know what's going on. But that's my, that's really my daily repertoire for, for being as robust as I can be. I love it. And getting in the sunshine, moving our bodies, Absolutely. laughing, getting hugs, not letting ourselves That's get stuck in, sucked into fear, propaganda, and all that kind of stuff is super important as well. We, we have to be in community. We have to be compassionate with self, you know, and if you, if you feel isolated and don't have somebody to hug you uh, that's next door, then give yourself a hug. Mm-hmm. But we, community is key because we weren't meant to live in isolation. We have to have a community around us. And if you look at the blue zones which are the the plant the places on the planet with the highest levels of longevity the underlying out of there's some in Sardinia one in Japan there's actually one in Loma Linda California what is the the thread throughout all of these societies community yeah i think that's that's one of the things that's been so valuable for us moving to austin is just we have this incredible incredible community of people um and that, I think that's helped our immune systems. <laughs> yeah, it does, absolutely for sure. does. Well, Terry, where can people um, find you, check out your work, get some of your products? We mentioned that you can take the quiz at your website and all that will be linked in the show notes. But is there any other places you want to direct people to? Uh, well, we, if you want to buy my book, it's on Amazon. Uh, we have social media, our Instagram, we do ask the experts. We try to do one every other week. It really gets to, we ask the questions you guys want answered. So that's a great place, uh, for information, but my website, my social media platforms, we're here, we're here to help support, you Mm -hmm. know, and, and, and help you become each of you become your own best body interpreter for really living that, that we are, we deserve to have like living as nature intended. Mm -hmm which is in community and in, in optimal health. I love it. Thank you, Terry, for who you are and all you do. Everybody go check out her work. Take the quiz. We all love quizzes, right? <laughs> but this yes, is a really, <laughs> a really super helpful one. And I just, I appreciate you. And I appreciate you using some of your dark nights of the soul with, with your own health and with your son to really transform into your passion and helping so many other people. And I just deeply acknowledge you for that. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. Many blessings to you and your, your, uh, about to uh, create and as you're creating new life for yourself. Yes.